for the crop. Who the f is that guy? I'm better than you. And you know it. This is The Law. Live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. Wild, wild, wild stuff, Brady Wedham. I don't know if you know this or not, but yes, that music can only mean one thing. That means that it is that weekly installment of your favorite show, our favorite show, The Law Live Audio Wrestling. It's a lot of fun, and you might notice it's the same voices. It's the same show, but a little bit of a different element, and I want to get into this right away as soon as he remembers to unmute his mic and we'll ask him this question i'm talking about my co-host little brady wedham brady how are you doing this week this is all crazy it's all new yeah we're doing this on youtube now my friend we are doing a video element to this thing not just audio yes that means you can still get it on all of your spotify's all of your iheart radios all of your apple itunes i think even so and as well as now yeah we're on YouTube, which means that going forward, we might just decide to start doing these shows live, my friend. That's the live and live audio wrestling. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about Endeavor, WWE, TNA, UFC, all of that stuff. How do these things come together is endeavor really secretly just buying up everything we're going to talk a little bit of boxing news with a new fight announced for 2024 the heavyweights are getting right back at it and we are going to break down and do a little bit of a preview for for the first tna pay-per-view and also the first pay-per-view of 2024 tna's hard to kill coming from the palms in las vegas nevada just a little bit of a preview and if that wasn't enough We've got an extra special guest, former WWE superstar. I'm talking about Lince Dorado. Joins me this week on my, as Brady has dubbed it, Tid's Kick in the Head. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you <laughs> the guy who sits in with me each and every time. I'm talking about my boy, your boy, little Brady Wedham. How you doing this week, brother? I am doing fantastic, my friend. Um, I apologize to any of the audio listeners. Uh, this may be a tiny bit compromised for our video end, but come on over to YouTube. Come see our lovely faces. We want to see your faces. We want to see your interactions, your comments, all of that good stuff. Come on over to YouTube. But if you're listening on Spotify or any of your podcast providers, welcome. Absolutely welcome. Has it been a good week for you? It's been hectic for us because we've been trying to get all of this stuff together. So I don't want to delay any longer, right? Let's take a quick little break. Let's let our sponsors get in here. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of, uh, let's see just exactly what is going on, what we think is going on with Endeavor buying up everything. Mm-hmm. 
This is the Law Live Audio Wrestling. We'll be right back after this. Are you a member of the BC Budtender community? Tetherbuds is bringing their unique experience to the West Coast for the first ever event in Vancouver, BC. January 24, 2024, Tether's Vancouver event will be the ultimate Budtender experience, featuring industry-leading brands, gift bags, and great vibes. Plus, complimentary food, refreshments, and music. Media, influencers, and other industry professionals are encouraged to join the fun. January 24, 2024 at Beaumont Studios. Get your tickets today at Fanatickets.com. TotalSportCards.com. Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. And we're back on the law. Shout out to all of our sponsors. Um, Chris, this week, there's been a lot of rumors going on. I don't know if you've listened to the rumor mill, if you've put your ear close to the ground. But I've heard a lot of stuff about Endeavor, WWE, the UFC, and now, potentially... TNA involved. It's crazy if you think about it, where we were even just a couple of years ago, right? Like there was none of this talk. Everybody had their own things, but then all of a sudden the UFC gets into bed with the WWE, right? Because of Endeavor. And then they formed this TKO alliance, right? And then now, now the two of them are together. And then we start hearing that on the Endeavor streaming service, TNA is now moved over to there or is in the process of moving over to there. Mm-hmm. And so of course the rumor mills start going is ever is endeavor just secretly, you know, uh, taking over everything. Are they going to have everything underneath one roof? What is, what is going to be the next step for all of this? In my opinion, what do you think, sir? In my opinion, I don't think like on paper. Yeah. I can see where everybody can freak out about this because the last thing, you know, I mean, as a fan, everybody knows that competition uh, is great for the product. There's no doubt about it. So if you, if you put everything under one umbrella, right under the endeavor umbrella, then what happens to that competition? Well, we have competition right now on TNN and TBS, right? in one AEW, is that not considered competition? Do you think that TV deals are going to be the way of the future? Or do you think that this is all going to be under a streaming service and then the streaming service then has the ability to license it out to the TV providers? Well, okay. So just for the AEW, uh, on the AW side, I think right. in within two years, this is the direction they're going to have to go in. Unless that company really pulls something out of their sleeve and they've got a crazy trick that no one's even thought about yet. I think they're eventually going to lose their TV deal, go to streaming service. But I don't know if that's a sign of bad business or if that's just a sign of the times, like you're saying. I think it's just more of a sign of the times. I don't think it's a sign of bad, bad business necessarily. Like if we're talking AEW, I think that people are finding out quickly that um, AEW is still, regardless of what you might want to think, it only just had its five year. 
Yeah. Now we're talking about putting AEW as the number two company in wrestling out there, right? It just had its five year and we're trying to compare it to a company that's been around for how long in the WWE? Yeah. It's an well, impossible. TNA. It's been around for TNA has been around for 20 years. Yeah. It's an impossibility to do. So it's based on, it's literally based on the, the, um, the image and the production and the money behind it, mm-hmm. right? That AEW gets that status. Now, are we finding out that AEW is learning very quickly that they are not on the same level as the WWE? So then if that's the case, what's the next step for them? Is the next step for them to do like TNA? sell their services onto the streaming service under Endeavor. Let's go to like the end of 2025. Let's just get into our time machine, hit the flux capacitor. We'll go into 2025, December, 2025. Do we just see everything? Endeavor's just streaming every combat sport period. Everything we talk about boxing, everything. They just have everything by the end of next year. Wouldn't that be, would that be amazing? Or would that be just complete dog shit? I, I think it would be amazing for a fan if they allow each and every one of those entities to still be itself. Okay. I think that it would be very good for Endeavor as well because they're not there. They have now they have all of these different properties. The biggest Mm -hmm. fear in all of this, and you know, this as well as I do, the biggest fear in all of this is that, that Endeavor and the big money behind them being UFC WWE, right? That TKO thing. I think the biggest fear for most people is that they just swallow up all of the AEWs and the TNAs and the whoever else falls into that, the ROHs, and they just pilfer. They just pilfer the talent that they want, pluck it all out of there, put it into their system, and then that's that. And then just have some weird monopoly on stuff. I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's a better idea to keep multiple people employed I think it's a better idea to have all of these things maybe under one umbrella where you can sell it to the fans and you're gaining all the money, but allow them to pick, allow them to pick what they want to see the same way that it is now. You've just scooped it all underneath, you know, into, into one bucket, so to speak. So that goes into almost the talk, the talk over the past three months, tribalism, right? Right. Does that keep tribalism alive and, and keeps people happy or do you separate the tribalism now because it's all just under one umbrella anyway i think you have to keep the tribalism and keep it alive because if you don't i think i think you're forcing you're going to force people away completely because if there's not an alternative for people to choose from that's when they're like nope i'm out of here right Mm-hmm. And I think that there has to be an alternative to a WWE. There has to be an alternative to, you know, AEW, ROH, MLW, all of these ones, New Japan, they all have their certain, like, you know, as well as I do, they, they look different. They feel a little different. Yeah. We've talked about AEW having that WCW feel. TNA has a completely different feel to it as well. Even right? more so now. And there's, and there's some people, there's some people that that's what they like. That's what they're looking for. So allow them, give them that stuff that they're looking for. 
I just want to see the boys and gals make as much money as they possibly can inside of this business. So bring me 12 companies that are all run by billionaires, kids. I'm happy. This is fantastic news if this happens this way. If we're looking ahead into 2025 and everybody keeps their jobs and everybody's allowed to continue what they're doing, but they're now under one, like like a consortium, so to speak. You know what I mean? There's all just this, it's it's one big family. And the family says, you know, it's like the it's like the mob, right? <laughs> you know, I may come to you, ROH, and ask you of a favor. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what are you gonna say right i don't know, I don't know. well speaking of family members and speaking yeah. of friends of the family um tna we've been talking a lot about tna should we go and preview hard to kill the very first tna pay-per-view under this new banner or this old new banner this new old banner old new banner Absolutely. But I do want to touch on something before we get to that. I want to talk about the fact that we are into 2024. We are. We do talk combat sports. We talk all the combat sports. We do. And big news just came down the pipe, whether you have heard it yet or not. I still don't even believe it. It's the fact that this right here, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting it. We're getting this. They thought Francis it was going to be wilder. Francis and Ganu, Anthony Joshua, it was announced by the Sheik himself and confirmed by Ariel Hawani that this is going to be happening in 2024 and probably sooner than later because Anthony Joshua looked pretty darn good in his last fight. And yeah. Francis Ngannou looked pretty darn good in his last fight. They're saying March, right? That's, that's the rumor so far. They haven't announced the date officially. No confirmation on that. Obviously, this will happen in Abu Dhabi. And there will be so much money thrown around on this one. Do they put this up against the UFC 300? Is this their counter their counter action? That would be a silly move. <laughs> I don't that, like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I listen, listen. Everybody, everybody can make. How many weeks are there in a year, man? Well, I like split screens. You know, I like watching two different combat sport events at the same time. So I'm not going to be mad if it happens, but I will be kind of mad that it happens because it's low practice. It's a dirty business move. All you have to do is go the day before or the day after, and you'll still make the same amount of money. Plain and simple, yeah. plain and simple. And then everybody eats from the well, right? So they haven't announced anything but this, no undercard or anything. This is just a rumor mill that's turning and it's saying, hey, by the way, Endeavor may have not bought TNA, but you're getting Joshua and Francis Ngano. So stay happy until. <laughs> yeah, this is insane. I mean, boxing on? really is taking a turn. And now this being announced, Abu Dhabi and, you know, the, uh, the Sheik over there is going to, he's positioning himself. And we talked about this before, that they are going to be the, um, quote unquote, no pun intended, heavyweight in the boxing field, uh, and probably take some of it away from Las Vegas, some of that shine away. Joshua walks out with Cat Williams. Ningano walks out with Hazel. Oh, biggest, <laughs> biggest event ever. Okay. Uh, that Who would needs be... Bieber? Who needs 50 Cent when you got little Hasbula and you've got, you know, Cat Williams? And wow. then set them off, have them square off, right? It it might it might spark some PTSD from when Cat got beat up by a 12-year-old. I don't know if we want to put that in the, into play out there. Yeah, that kid had some good form. 
he was training for he sure. Was, totally was training. That kid was. Training. I can't wait to. I can't wait to see that part. That be part of somebody's highlight film as they get into the UFC, and they bring up the footage. I was a twelve-year-old boy on a schoolyard one day, <laughs> and I've ended up choking out Cat Williams in front of all my friends. Uh, could you imagine? That'd be fantastic. I apologize, Cat. We love you, buddy. Um, Absolutely. So I think yes, you could take him in the rematch. Either way, we're getting. Either way, we're getting into the spring. This yeah. this fight's going to happen in the spring. So at yeah. some point here, we are going to see a potentially first or second round killing. Yeah. This is this is going to be because now you now it's you've got rough. one fight of you've got if you're Anthony Joshua you've got one fight of Francis Ngannou's to watch as far as his boxing goes but yeah. now if you're Francis Ngannou you've got all of those fights to watch what Anthony Joshua does and improve yourself to a level that they haven't seen yet this is a crazy crazy ride uh, Dave Chappelle I watched his last special I don't know if you've watched it or not it's called Dreamer and this is a perfect example Francis Ngannou is living his dream perfectly perfectly he's doing what Luke Rockhold said you could do all the time if you just dream it believe it you'll achieve it shut the fuck yeah wow okay all right, so we That's we've got we've got that to look forward in the in the world yes. of boxing. Um, I don't think they've announced any Jake Paul rumors or fights yet. So in terms of big money fights, this is the thing that we're looking forward to in the world of uh, in the world of boxing. So in the I'm world stoked. of boxing, and of course we've got you know UFC fights coming up. They were just off for the holidays. We've got the next card taking place up in uh, Toronto between Sean Strickland and DDP. We've got UFC 300 coming up. So there's going to be a lot of yeah. MMA and UFC talk coming up. There's no doubt about it. Plus, we're going to see what 2024 has to provide for the merger with PFL and Bellator. I mean, there's going to mm -hmm. be it. 2024 is going to be stoked because everybody, everybody else now has to try to compete with announcements like this. And that's going to be the crazy part. Now, with that said, and that is done and over with, let's talk about something that's a little bit closer to the immediate future. Let's talk about the first pro wrestling pay-per-view. Well, I call them, I think they're, they're called PLEs now. Play? They're called PLEs now. Play. Yeah. Okay. The first well, wrestling play of the year. The first wrestling, what is it? It's a uh, performance in live event. Premium. It's premium live event. It, it's purchased later, eventually? No, no, no. no. It's premium. You're uh -huh. just trying to get me to pop my peas as many times as I possibly can. So we redline this microphone. I know what you're doing. Our listeners are upset right now. Uh, uh, it well, is a premium live event. So these premium live events <laughs> <laughs> that they're now being called now, right? I love that we're doing this live and I can't edit anything. It's fantastic. All of these sure. events, these live events that they're doing now, much like this live audio wrestling, mm -hmm. there this is this is the name, this is the term, this is the new terminology, this is the uh this is the new pronouns for PPVs. Well, this I guess. is what helped start turn that rumor mill. Right. Exactly, Brady. This is where it all stems from. And here's my question. If you are WWE, are you buying TNA. 
Let me ask you that question. You are WWE. Do you buy TNA? Uh, there's only one thing that would make sense, and it would be strictly because TNA is now basically a Canadian company. So if you wanted to have it, and this has been a talk since the early 2000s up here in Canada, specifically Ontario. I don't know about any other territory if you've had these talks the same way that we've been hearing about it here for the past 20 years, that WWE wants to put some sort of breeding and feeding nest here in Ontario somewhere. So I felt like once they see that and they see that they can save money on green cards and having to bring a bunch of Canadians down to the performance center and get them all set up with apartments and all this stuff for them potentially to not work out, which happens all the time. You bring in 10 people, maybe only two of them work. It saves a lot of uh, paperwork. It saves a lot of waiting around. It saves a lot of horse shite, uh, for lack of better terms, to just bring something up here and have these Canadians develop in uh, Ontario. So I think it makes sense for that. But outside of it, I don't know where it makes sense. I think they already have the library now. Um, Endeavor, not WWE, but they have the library so they can choose to pull that and make relationships where WWE can use that footage for some of their documentaries and all that, which they've been doing with TNA. Scott and, and Paul seem to have a pretty good relationship from what, you know, what you hear. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's the greatest move outside of just trying to do like a long term thing, which is have some sort of like training facility here in Canada. That's why I think it's a good idea, but I don't think it's happening. I I can see what you're saying, and I can see where you're coming from because that has been a thing that has been brought back up time and time again over the years for the last 20-plus years. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, and the reason I don't think that that's going to happen is because I think that they've already tried that. They had an office yeah. already. They had a Carl DeMarco running WWE Canada. And it didn't work out because, because the dollar changed. It doesn't make sense to have those facilities up here, have those offices up here in this day and age when, when all of this, all of this cyber technology and all of this stuff is so much better, much faster now. Also, the people that really want it as wrestlers have proven already that they're willing to go to get it, which means that they have to go down there to get it. No longer do you have to send in a VHS tape and a couple of eight by tens and a nice letter. Now it's a, here's a link. Here's my file. Here's a drop box, you know, file, whatever it is. You just send that right to them and you make yourself available by email because they'll email you back and say, Hey, we're looking for some talent to be yep. in such and such town. Then you go to that town because you're still a, a, a mark for the business as a worker. You go there looking for your shot and that's how you get it. I think that they, they don't need a training facility. They know who the trainers are, so they know who's going to actually be putting out a decent enough product for them to take a look at in the first place. Yeah. Because we've had schools that have ruined it for people before. We've had wrestlers specifically that have ruined it for people crossing the border that lasted for years and years and years and ended up shitting on other people. So guys had to come up and girls had to come up with much better ways to get across the border, to go get what they're after, to really follow their dreams. And I think that that is what the WWE, that is what AEW, that is what these companies are looking for. They're looking for people that are willing to follow their dreams and come and get it. What about the age old Canadian wrestling law? Just marry an American girl. 
Well, I'm not saying that's happened, but yes, that has absolutely happened. And it still continues to happen to this day. Now, I'm not saying that they're not in love in any way, shape or form, but I am saying that is a hell of a coincidence and, and a hell of convenience, not even a coincidence. I misspoke there a hell of a convenience when you can do that, because we know that the boys and the girls inside of the business need to look out for one another or our own entity. If my wife ever left me, I could just, you know, lock me in a grocery store for 15 minutes. I don't care how many people are in there. I'll fall in love with someone. Absolutely. It's probably the person who's got the largest grocery cart full of food because, you know, they've got the most money. I'm just saying. (laughs) And you've got a physique to build. I mean, to feed. I mean, to do both. What? Hey, you're noticing. And I must say, I must say, I must say, I must say, because we haven't talked about it yet. Shout out and very nice looking hoodie and sweatshirt going to be available. We are setting this up. Uh, in the very near future where you can get a hold of these things online and you can buy them and have them shipped right to your address yourself. So uh, look for that in the very near future. Like I said, 2024 crazy. So let's let's take a look at this hard to kill gimmick. Let's do that. All right, shall we? Let's talk about TNA hard to kill Saturday, January 13th, uh, 8 PM Eastern time live on pay-per-view. Like it says right there, it says, Worlds will collide on January 13th. You won't believe who is showing up. Now, does that mean that there's going to be somebody special, somebody new? Because we're talking about in this day and age where, let's see, you've got you've had you've got two people leaving, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, right? One going to AEW, one going to WWE. Now, does this mean that somebody is com- coming to TNA? Here's the other question. If we're talking about all of these mergers that just popped into my head, are these guys doing secret trades that we don't even know about? Is this like the, uh, is this the, like they do with SmackDown and Raw, but we're actually doing this between companies and we're doing trades. Remember when we sent Mighty Mouse, we sent Demetrius Johnson over to Japan in return for, you know, something that just did not work out at all. Remember all of that. Are we doing this? On the sly? Well, no, it was it was Mighty Mouse and Eddie Alvarez. We gotta throw Eddie in there. I think they had Eddie Alvarez in that trade as well. <laughs> sure. Two for yeah, one. A couple of first round draft picks and some concessions in two years. <laughs> but could you imagine? Could you imagine if this is what it turns into? If it's all under one umbrella, and these it's... companies can now just turn around and be like, "Yo." We're going to, we're going to switch this contract over to here. We're going to trade for this. We're going to do that. Set it up more like a sports league because we know the American league in baseball plays differently than the national league in baseball, but everything still comes together under the major league baseball. Do you, uh, okay. Do you know how crazy it would be? Maybe not for the fans in attendance. Maybe a lot of them will get it, but not the entire average WWE fan. But if PCO was to walk out, on a Monday night raw and just have that full circle moment in his career. Would that not be awesome for that guy? It'd be fantastic. It'd be so would, cool. Even if it's a Halloween guys, gimmick, like they just bring him out right. as a Frankenstein for a Halloween gimmick. And they're like, they, the announcers, you know, Corey Graves or whoever tosses off and says, Hey man, this guy's the best guy ever. He's amazing. PCO go check out his stuff. That's a full circle moment. I think that that would be cool to see that with those kind of trades, but, but I think I that know. I think, that would be that would be fantastic, and I think that us as the fans of everything would love to see that for him. But 
Do the people that are running television, do they see this as the same, you know, the same way? I think they'd be a lot more inclined to see it if everybody's under the same umbrella. Now, we could go on about this forever. Let's well, talk about this card. Let's go through it because it is pretty jacked up. So we're starting this a whole thing off. They've got some countdown, the countdown stuff. And even their countdown stuff, if you think about it, as I just throw, just fucking throwing pens throw around over here. This is crazy. All right. Sorry, I was throwing stuff. If, you, if you're thinking about this, this is a heck of a way to start this card off. This is a feud that has been building. They've done a good job over building this over a little bit of time, showing some credibility to it. Crazy Steve, a man that we both know very, very well. Good friend, right? Solid, good brother. Twice the size that he was when we interviewed him a month ago. I mean, well, listen. That's clearly a blown up image that they've used there of Crazy Steve because he's he, standing next to Tommy Dreamer. He's so big now. <laughs> he's jacked up. He he's is all huge. kinds of jacked up. Looks fantastic. Looks great. And we're going to have this for the Digital Media Championship right out the gate. This is what they're throwing out you, ladies and gentlemen. And they're no coming EQ. as hard as they can. Like TNA is coming as hard as they possibly can. They're pulling out all of the stops, putting stuff together that you haven't seen up to this point. Right. So let's see what they can actually pull off with this car. Follow this up with another, another friend of the show, Eric Young and Frankie almost, Kazarian. I mean, almost everybody about, in there is a good brother. Talk about throwing I, it back, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is actually pretty cool to see Eric Young and Kazarian, who are like probably literally walking around as the, I think they're, they got to be the oldest vets there now, right? They might very well be. I mean, Kazarian has been around for a minute or two and still the... working, still working very, very hard. I mean, other outside of maybe like Saban and Shelly. Yeah, Saban and Shelly would probably be. You Saban know? would be the guy. But but taking on Eddie Edwards, a guy, he's a company dude, man. That is a guy who lives and breathes for that company. One hell of a performer. And his wife doing double duty in this because she's working later on, actually working in the match. Uh, teaming up with Brian Myers for this one. This is going to be, and this is all still countdown stuff, ladies and gentlemen. This is all still countdown stuff. Rich Swan, another in the one taking on Steve Macklin. Steve Macklin, you know, if you if you're in and around wrestling, you know exactly who this guy is. Um, to the to the new heads of it, please check this out because you're in for a treat. Rich Swan, always a consummate professional, another good brother, out there doing great things. So listen. Give him some love. Now that's just the countdown stuff. There's then we boy, PCO. The then we get into the card. We're talking about two guys, two guys who have worked inside of that WWE system, starting this whole thing off. Right when you've got PCO, who just seems to be unbelievable. He's like, the best man. I don't think that this picture and this image and this this gimmick that he's doing. Is a gimmick. That's him. Yeah, he's Frankenstein. That is him at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, he's Frankenstein. He's he he's unkillable. It's unbelievable. So you know for a fact Crazy. now this is gonna if they're gonna have this start off the pay-per-view, you know there's gonna be something stupid. You know there's gonna be something silly, and you know there's gonna be shenanigans because you're looking at it right now, even in the graphic. There's three guys on one side and only yeah. one on the other. I see a triple power bomb on the stage. Something like that is coming. 
I see all three of those guys, Dirty Dango and his his uh, goons, getting the shit beat out of them by PCO <laughs> is what I see. <laughs> We're serving potatoes tonight for the opening and of the PLE. And then I also see PCO getting the shit beat out of him by PCO. By PCO, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll serve. He serves potatoes and then likes to have a plate himself. It's insane. It's insane. And then there we, we go. Now we're talking about Josh Alexander and Alex Hammerstone right here. We're talking about meaty men slapping meat. There is going to be so much chest chopping, so much thigh slapping, so much arm ringing, and so much shoulder tackling. This is brutal. This is going to just. This is going to be a match you don't want to miss. I, I, I mean, I listen. I'm not just trying to do a blowjob for TNA wrestling or anything like that, right? This, these are two. These are guys. This is that you're going to want to see wrestle. And so this is a great place to see it. This takes the night, in my opinion, for what I you like think? to. Uh, yeah, 100. Unless there's some off timing or something like that, I think these two guys are just pros. They're going to go out there, and I think you're right. They're going to beat the living shit out of each other because that's what both of them are known for, and they both are. Uh, they're just tough dudes, and I think both of them are on a platform at the beginning of 2024 right now where they can set the tone for themselves and their careers for the rest of the year. I think this is the match to do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. Then we get into this. The women's knockouts ultimate X match. Now. Brady, I said to you a long time ago that I wasn't going to pull any punches when we're talking about these matches and these companies and we're talking about wrestling, I did my time. You're going to do it. 26 plus years. I've done it. But when I see stuff like this, this makes my shoulders get tight. This makes my ears burn a little bit. Like I've had too much MSG <laughs> and this makes me nervous. And I'll, and it has nothing to do it has absolutely nothing to do with the with the knockouts, with the individuals, with the women that are in this match. No, no. Right? So let's run down this very quickly. Danny Luna mm -hmm. is in this match. Fantastic young talent. Alicia Edwards doing her double duty. The wife of Eddie Edwards in this match as well. Tasha Steeles in this match. And you've noticed up to this point, this is all very like new, relatively new to the business individuals, right? Mm. Jody Threat. There's our girl. That's our girl from Ontario, right? Fine girl. Hell of a talent. She's in this one. Wonderful human. Zia Brookside. Everybody who knows anything about wrestling knows that last name and knows exactly who she is. And she's, a, she's an individual who has been in the system. In that WWE system. And we're talking Giselle Shaw, a former champion, right? Former women's champion for TNA for Impact, I should say. She's yeah, Impact, in this match. yeah. Now, let's talk about why this match makes me nervous, Brady. This match makes me nervous because out of all of those people that are in this match, we know what the Ultimate X match is up to this point. We've seen it. And we've seen the type of stuff that the individuals performing in these matches are willing to do. We've seen what they put their bodies through in this. 
And this is not a knock on the performers, but when you're talking about people falling from yeah. those heights, climbing across those cables to be able to catch individuals, this match, this ma and, and we're talking about six people all together, six, we know what those can be like in the first place. This match has to be, it has to go down. It, I hope, and I pray it is one of the most overproduced matches on this entire card. I hope so for the sake of everybody coming out of it, you're going to have, you're going to have performers that are going to be wanting to do themselves damage. You're going to have them wanting to get over. You're going to have them wanting to do this high, crazy stuff. I hope everybody's okay. I uh, I know the the viewers could see how nervous I was there as you were talking. Um, not that I'm worried about you saying anything, because I get nervous just thinking about when I was actually starting to visualize these competitors in this match and what they're actually going to do. My yeah. you're right, my body locks up. Where I'm like, I don't know. And this is not a knock on the performers. We got to put this out there. I don't even know if there's anyone seasoned enough in there to even. Like, I don't know. I've never Who's read the any of these. I've Who's never... the base? Who's the base when somebody, when somebody decide, you know, is up top on those chains and somebody comes jumping off and spears them and they both have to go down or somebody does something where they fall onto everybody else. Who's the base? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a Gale. You don't have a Congo Kong. You don't have, you know what I mean? A Lisa, Lisa Marie in there. Like when they've done these matches in the Jordan past. Grace is, Jordan Grace is working in a match later on already. She's exactly. in the match with Trinity. If, if you if you had read this off and you had said Trinity and Jordan Grace were in there, I probably, probably wouldn't be as nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Not a knock on the performers. No, just, this is a this is a this is a perfect match. This is a perfect match for them to try to go out there and get themselves over. I they hope may. they don't do so. I hope they don't do so at the expense of their own bodies in this one. Let's beg that that's not a thing. Moving on. Then speak. Ah, you know what? Two, four, six, eight dudes right here. Now we just got done. We just got done being, you know, asses about these women performing in there. No, it's not about women. Performing. It's not about women. It's not. We're it's about to see not. the same thing in this match where it potentially could just turn into people trying to get themselves over and doing it at the expense of their body. This is going to be an absolute banger. We're talking about ABC, the Rascals, the Grizzled Young Vets, Mike Bailey, and Trent Seven, who don't even have a tag team name. Um, let's call them Mustache Feet. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Stash wow. Feet. Wow. All yeah. right. All right. Seven, seven Baileys, please. Seven Baileys. <laughs> There we go. Uh, anyways, the this this match is going to be another this one is, of these. It's a train wreck yeah. match. Yeah, it it's going be. to be that, right? This is what this is what we're looking for. But you need to have these types of distractions so that everything is just this visual overload by the time that you get to things like I don't know, we're gonna wind it down Nuts. a little bit with a three-way. A three-way with Chris Saban, Kushida, and Vikingo. This is Are insane. you kidding me? <laughs> What are they trying to do on this pay-per-view? They're literally giving everything that they have into it. Listen, listen, we follow this up with 
as we all know at this point, you know, Jordan Grace is going to be your next knockouts world champion mm-hmm. because writing has already been, you know, told by everybody that Trinity is going back, right? Her contract is coming up and she's part of the three-way trade. <laughs> and she's out. I couldn't be happier for Jordan. Yeah. I, I hope that they, I hope that this is just a, just a, 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 a sentimental piece. I hope that this is um, a coming out party. I hope that they don't try to do some kind of, some kind of swerve where they've got, you know, uh, you'll never know who's going to show up and another girl comes in and Jordan gets screwed out of her chance to be the champion. I think that she is a, I think that she is a perfect person to carry that championship. They have to do a clean win. They got to do a clean win just to just, that's what you do. And look at, we just watched potentially MJF do the same thing. Absolutely. You do business on the way out. This is what you do. And then we go to the main event, the main event where Moose and Alex Shelley fight for the TNA world championship. How many times has Moose had a shot at this championship? Um, All of them. Why did, why is that? Because he's Moose. It's exactly why that is. It's because he's big. He's intimidating. He's tattooed up. He can work. He moves very fast for how big he is. And he can. he's pretty much proven that he can go with anybody. But he doesn't need the belt. Or does he? Maybe no. this is a chance, right? No. I don't see it personally. I think no. that Alex Shelley um, is reinvented himself. And this long in his career to still be able to go out there and perform and do the things that he does. That's the most important part is do the things that he does. I just thought about something that I haven't thought about in a while, actually And side note, we'll come right back to that. But if Moose was to pick up and leave TNA right now, today, tomorrow, after this pay-per-view on the, on the 14th, let's say, okay, where better, what company better suits him, AEW or WWE? WWE. Okay. WWE does because at this point, if I'm just being honest, I think that AEW is a um a lateral movement. And I, I don't I totally think that is saying. a knock. I no, don't no, think that's a knock it. either company. I just think that that's a lateral movement right now. Uh, I think the WWE is always because the goal for everybody, we know this, nobody in their right mind out of any of these performers says that their goal as a child, their goal when they got into this business, their goal was to be on dynamite. Their goal was to be on collision. Their goal was to be on you know, 205 live. No, everybody's goal is to get to WrestleMania. Everybody in wrestling. We would, we'd be waiting at least another 15 years before those statements are even made. Right. 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 So everybody's goal is to get to WrestleMania and you can only get to WrestleMania through one company, ladies and gentlemen. That's the WWE. Oh, I thought you were going to say TKO. And then them too now. Maybe there is a new path. Maybe there is a new way that we don't know about, but uh, we'll find out about it now. So going back to Alex Shelley, Alex Shelley has done everything to prove that he is not only a champion in this business, but a champion and the best guy for the the job here in TNA heading into this new regime, old regime, new, old, old, new regime 100%. of TNA. 100%. I think it's a good move. And he, I think he takes, the, I think he keeps the title just to keep that, 
you know, that whole image solidified going into it, that one of our, our young guys that's been here since day one, basically, is now carrying the company on his back, heading into this new uh, this new generation. It, it's it's a perfect, perfect segue from the old to the new, using the old into the new. Congratulations to Alex Shelley. Congratulations to TNA Wrestling. I hope that this goes well for him. If you haven't, because I know that there are tickets still available, Vegas is a tough town to try to do events in because it's such a last-minute town, it seems like. Yeah. Right? So everybody go out there do what you can if you can't get into las vegas for the vacation at least order this thing on pay-per-view show these guys some love show wrestling some love because everybody all the boys and girls in this company are just as important as any of the boys and girls inside of wwe or aew and vice versa it's a job all right let's do the yep. right thing now speaking of jobs you did a pretty good job this week with our pre-recorded Pre-recorded yes. because times didn't line up, but our pre-recorded interview this week with yes. one former WWE superstar, um, maybe the pinnacle of 205 Live at one point, in one Rince Dorado. Yeah, it was a really good sit-down interview. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. Now, I will say for the people that are watching, you're not going to get the same kind of clarity. No. <laughs> individual no. okay uh just because of how it was recorded when it was recorded and you know we're there are still going to be things that we're going to still work out to uh this this new video version of stuff with the audio content that's about to come forward here in the next hour i don't think no. visuals even matter all right so i'll tell you what give us a preview of what you guys get into we talk about the importance of being a man. We talk about the importance of growing, you know, how important it was for growing up uh, where he did and where he's at, what he's been through. We talk about, we talk about a subject that is, is definitely top level, top tier with him. Um, we talk about whether or not you can protect the business without being a white knight. It's a really good conversation. It's a really in-depth conversation. It's a lot of fun. I, I said a long time ago when we started this stuff that I wanted to sit down and just have frank, honest conversations with people. And this is, this is about as frank as, and honest as you can get. This is a pretty direct one. If you do have, uh, if you do have territorial issues, in wrestling, this is a good one to listen to because it may break down some of those barriers that you have up on yourself. So, absolutely. So, we're going to take a quick break here. We're, uh, like I said, we're producing this whole thing on the fly, on the live. Good luck to us. We're going to take a quick break. Let some sponsors do some stuff. When we come back, we're going to get right into that interview and then uh, we'll close this whole thing off with a nice little bow for the week. This is The Law Live Audio Wrestling. I'm Chris Tidwell. That's Brady Wedham. We'll be right back. Are you in the market for a used vehicle for your family or business? North Toronto Auction hosts public auctions twice a month, and everyone's invited. Hundreds of cars, trucks, SUVs, commercial vehicles, and heavy equipment are available. Plus, travel trailers, motorcycles, snowmobiles, ATVs, and more. View the entire selection at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Bid online or bid in person. Bid on items from government agencies, financial companies, fleet managers, car dealers, and public insiders. For more information, visit us online at NorthTorontoAuction.com. 
Hey, did you know that Saturday, February 24th, Destiny World Wrestling returns to Oshawa and the Children's Arena for Destiny's Reckless? Is that the event featuring the indie god himself, Matt Cardona? You bet it is. I heard he's not going to be there alone. I heard Steph Delander showing up. I heard Fighter Flight is showing up. Vanna Black, Tara Zep, Lince Dorado, and a whole bunch more. Man, you better get your tickets now. They're on sale at www.destinywrestling.ca. It is that time once again here on the Law Live Audio Wrestling where I get to sit down with somebody that I've just wanted to talk to for a long time because I think their story is just so damn compelling from start to finish, uh, which which I, I, I shouldn't say finish because it's clearly not over, but this is a man who has, you know, from the mean streets of Camden, New Jersey, gone through, you know, battled his way out of it all the way up into the WWE, now venturing off again to do his own thing. But, uh, a man who has seen an awful lot, and I want to know about this. Lince Dorado, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing, brother? Thank you for having the 2010 and 2011 Mr. Puss and Boots Luch, Lince Dorado, on the podcast. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. And, hey, I want to say shout-out to that Philadelphia Eagles uh, plaque in the back. Actually, that whole shrine. Bro. Oh, wait. Oh, I, I thought I had my Eagle shirt on. I'm mad right now, so I'm yeah. going to put my shirt back down. But... Bro, I even got a Philadelphia Eagles mask. Hey, I'm, I'm making one actually. Hopefully, if we do good in the playoffs, but well, listen, I know somebody else who would want one of those. Very uh, a, a friend of mine who lives down in Philadelphia, the Blue Meanie, Brian Heffron. I oh, talked yeah. to him. I mean, me and him converse on on the weekly this time of year. You know what I mean? Man, about, it, about the Eagles, I don't know so. if I want to talk to anybody else about Philadelphia Eagles. I'm, I'm kind of heartbroken the last five weeks. So you know, playoffs is coming up. Hopefully, they change or, and turn it around for us. You know what? They have the ability to, so let's, you know, it is still the Eagles. Uh, but you know as well as I do, as an Eagles fan, we are the first to go down on our own team. Like, oh. we will just bite their heads right off. Oh, right. It's it's hard to be a Phillies fan, and it's also hard to play or do anything athletic-wise in Philadelphia. It's the hardest city to, you know, uh, show love to. But if they love you, man, they love you, dude. See, and this is the wild thing, like for myself, even like growing up, I'm a West Coast kid. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, born and raised. Okay. I live up in Canada now um, outside of Toronto, but I was born and raised, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada. I was a West Coast, Washington State, lived for a little bit. And then, uh, but all of my love for all of my sports teams was always East Coast, like football. I've always been an Eagles fan. I go back to like Randall Cunningham days, like, wow. you know, when I was a kid. So like, I, I've always been an Eagles fan, um, you know, for basketball. It was always the Boston Celtics for me for some reason. You know, I know, I know, I don't understand it. I'm not, I don't even watch basketball now, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? For baseball, I was always a Mets fan. Like it was always East Coast stuff. Like, yeah. But it was never, never any of the West Coast teams. But the, here's the thing here's the thing that it should have been because for sports, West Coast got the best schedule. Let's think about that for a second. Oh, you guys you wake get up, done early. Wake up like, in the, yeah, you wake yeah. up in the morning. It's done and done. I don't know about you, brother, but like that staying up for those late games, 
It, it, it does. It is a little bit hard. I will say you guys do on the West Coast did have the best schedule for a lot of things because I loved going out there for WWE when they had those like four or five o'clock shows and then would be done by eight o'clock and sometimes catch a red eye home or, you know, be like, well, we're in California. What are we going to do? Let's go find a dispensary or a club and <laughs> hang out and have fun and chill out. So, yeah, the, the West Coast, I mean, I, I even went to a Padres game when the Phillies were playing them okay. in San Diego and it was like in the middle of the day i, I was confused because afterwards i was like all right cool it's bedtime yeah uh, oh wait no it's only six o'clock okay what do we do for the rest of the day i guess <laughs> let's go fi figure out something but man yeah it is, it is hard to be a, a, a philadelphia any kind of team you know supporter it's a lot of love and a lot of heartbreak but at the end of the day yeah it, it is what it is so e-a-g-l-e-s eagles that's it fly eagles fly baby explain to me explain to me camden because for for a place like camden the amount of talented individuals that have managed to come out of this area like i, I myself i'm from north las vegas nevada you know people say las vegas and i'm like let's not get it twisted i'm from that other part that north yeah. las vegas that you don't really go to so much camden not necessarily the you know tier of uh a vacationery you know what i yeah. mean like yeah man like so back in the day camden used to be really nice um you know it, it's right off it's the city that has all the bridges going into philadelphia you know so the ports and you know the port authority there so they used to do a lot of imports there but i think as time went on um camden the the resources that Camden brought were no longer resourceful for New Jersey and the, and the government. So they ended up moving a lot of the lower end demographic there. Um, you know, Section Eight. A lot of a lot of people are in like you know assistant housing and stuff like that. I grew up in assistant housing. Um, you know, it, it it was voted worst city in America, most dangerous city in America for you know almost a decade back in the 90s and early 2000s and that's when I was living there you know I was I've never seen the outside or played outside until probably about like third grade fourth grade and wow. it never dawned on me because you know there was a lot of drugs a lot of poverty a lot of gangs and stuff like that where I grew up you know my family was a part of it my dad was a part of it before he got uh you know my dad was murdered in Camden um so it, it, it's a really tough area like where you can there's only two ways out right you either out in a body bag or you get out and do something else and never come back and right. you know after my dad got murdered i said you know what i think i need to dip i need to if i want to do something i need to get out of here i need to disconnect from my family and i need to you know do me so there was a lot of other things that happened but I, honestly i will say though camden is still in me i've, I've, I've learned a lot um and i always go back you know to see my my dad's grave he's in camden and i do visit my sister um on the holidays but as quickly as i'm there i'm i'm leaving because i'm quickly reminded that i'm gonna get stuck here you know right. it, it, it's yeah. too easy to get stuck in the uh the rut of struggling rather than like let me try not to struggle and let me try to have my kids go outside you know before third grade or fourth grade and stuff like that so those kind of things really motivated me to remove myself from camden um i think now honestly it's gotten and i don't want to say better but it's definitely gotten better with um for example like medical marijuana is now legal which 
most of the drugs there back in the 90s was like yeah marijuana and cocaine but now with that being legal and people wanting you know seeing the the benefits of that they rather do that so now it's made drug dealers irrelevant you know in certain spots um but it, it, i actually took my kids to visit my sister for christmas and they've never been that deep into camden my sister's always come down to florida but we wanted to do something different so we spent about a day and a half there in the hood you know i felt normal you know right yeah, yeah but yeah. uh i could tell my kids were awestruck about you know the living conditions that some people have to endure there but i will say because being able to walk around camden me personally and not feel threatened i could go to all these other states and bad cities that people are like oh you can't walk around there i'm like why like i'm totally fine and normal like i'm good because i've been in the hood you know i've been and in the trenches know. i and yeah. you know that if you grow up there, you know how to act when you go to other places. A thousand percent. A you know what percent. I mean? You know how to hold yourself. You know how to carry yourself. You know what can be said. You know who's looking for what. Because there's a lot of similarities in the, you know, the the quote, quote, air quotes, bad parts of town across mm -hmm. across the United States. Yeah. You know? They're all the same. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I visited a lot of really a lot of places in the u.s that are poverty struck sure and yeah they're all the same they're all you know like you said if as long as you know how to conduct yourself and you know own like defend yourself like you know being being confident in your ability to kind of helps out but at the end of the day yeah you know if you're looking for trouble it'll find you me personally i don't want problems i don't mind problems but i don't want problems and that's how i approach things yeah, I have to walk around it, you know, six foot four, almost 300 pounds covered in tattoos as it is like I kind of don't blend, you yeah. know, what I mean, so when I when I would travel like this uh, and, and growing up, like I said, growing up in North Las Vegas, it's not. It's not a it's not a horrible neighborhood back then. It's really not a great neighborhood now, but you learn how to conduct yourself high yeah. school that I went to. All right. Get this, bro high school I went to Rancho High School the very first high school in all of North America to implement a metal detector oh wow armed and plainclothes cops working the school see Camden had that too we had right. bars over the windows metal yeah. detectors cops uh canines um it got to the point in the in the late 90s that you know when bomb scares were a thing like we would have bomb bomb patrols, a squat, everybody there. And I'm like, it's so silly that, you know, we don't have this stuff, but that we have to have all this stuff just in case. Like, cause right. it only, it really does take one crazy person to be like, yo, I'm gonna do something it's sad. But, but then the talent, you see the talented people that come out of Camden. I'm talking about like uh, Jordan Burroughs, mm -hmm. fantastic. Fucking Buddy Rogers. Buddy Rogers. From yep. Camden. And, and I'm gonna throw him on the list. Who y'all got Sean T, bro? Oh, all right, true, true, <laughs> true, true. You don't yep. have those insanity workout videos, you know, if yeah. it ain't for Sean T. So, I mean, I think it's you know, as well as I do, that it's 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 a certain mentality and mindset when you're in those situations that you have to put yourself into to get out to succeed. And I'm using these people's names just as an example of where you can take yourself from a place that is considered and viewed at as a very bottom of the barrel. 
Yeah. Well, so like you mentioned, you mentioned Buddy Rogers, like Buddy Rogers was there like in the 60s, 70s when it was like really nice. Everybody else was later. Right. But the one thing I think that when you said them all, it's like, damn, I kind of relate to all of them because they all had that same drive and hustle. And they see that and they learn from, you know, family, drug dealers or whatever, the hustle. And once you get that bug, that hustle stays like that whole time in WWE, I felt like I was an independent wrestler still hustling to either try to get book or, you know, make extra money or whatever the case was, because I didn't know anything else. All I literally knew was how to be on the streets or how to hustle. And like, we could say hustle in any kind of way, but hustling one way is the same thing as hustling in another way. So a hustle is a hustle. And you know, I learned that from just looking out my window and seeing, you know, people make transactions on the corner or even shady cops, like, you know, like stuff like that is things that I will never forget. But at the same time, I will never expose my children to. I, my, I'm very honest with my children. I, I let them explore and fail on their own. And I love having those conversations on like, well, did that work out for you? No. Okay. Let's talk about why it didn't rather than right. like, you know, yell i i don't yell at my kids man i don't grab them i don't yell at them i don't do anything my mom did to me when i was younger but you know i also don't expose them to the stuff that i was exposed to yeah yeah well we're we're of that generation where it's like i don't want to i don't want my kids to be like i was i don't want them to you know you learn from it right absolutely um at what point at what point did you realize that wrestling was what your passion was going to be and how you know, did how did you how did that come around okay i so, have conversations with people and for myself it's like i'm sitting on the floor of my grandparents you know what i mean uh, living room watching the tv or like what was what was the moment for you so, okay so starting back from day one uh being latino you know we watch lucha libre and, and puerto rican wrestling i'm puerto rican even even though i wear the mask and don lucha libre as my style i'm puerto rican um and but to me for some reason growing up that was like sporty i don't know why it just looked like an exhibition of like you know sports like tag team wrestling was you know two two versus two that's how it was just brought to me then one day my mom and stepdad took me and my sister out to this like little theater and they were looking for something else actually they weren't even looking for wrestling they were trying to take us to go take you know do something and at the stage was a wrestling ring and two dudes wrestling but i was only in there for 15 seconds and i was like i'm looking i'm like what what is going on like why are there so many people here why are these giants in the ring and as i'm getting dragged out of the building like (laughs) no i want to see this so you know it, it went about maybe um maybe like four or five weeks and this was in like 94 and um four or five weeks went by and it was like january i believe and my uncle was picking me up uh to take me to school and he was like hey you have to watch this i, I got a vhs of some wrestling show that i saw yesterday on pay-per-view i was like hey, what was wrestling i don't know anything about wrestling like what is that so he, he puts it in in the vhs and you know the vcr and yeah. you know back in the day you could either fast forward it while seeing everything and it's just in fast motion well he does that and i'm like my brain is melting i'm like what am i watching in fast motion this is the craziest thing in the world then he pauses it and he goes watch this and i'm like what what am i watching and then it's yoko versus undertaker casket match from okay. the royal rumble so that was the first time I seen wrestling that wasn't like pinfall or submission. And I was like, 
whoa. Then not only that, you see Yoko, who's a, a Yokozuna, a, a sumo wrestler, versus a dead man, who's the Undertaker. And then all these other characters start to come out later on. Goldust, uh, 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 all these other dudes. And I'm like, uh, what is this? And he's like, all right, got to take you to school. And I was like, can I keep this VHS? I probably watched that VHS like a thousand times before the next time I saw wrestling. I was just so addicted. And then I got to school that day and I was like, anybody know about wrestling, this and that? They're like, yeah, it comes on actually on Mondays at eight o'clock. And I was like, oh my God, it's Monday. I can't believe it. I'm going to watch it. And ever since then, I was so addicted to it. I, I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to be in the ring. You couldn't tell me anything else. Everything else that I did in my life leading up to me making my debut uh, in wrestling was just to help me get to wrestling. Like even to this day, I'm still obsessed with it as i was back in the day yeah i'm a little angry sometimes but at the end of the day i still love wrestling like how i feel when i watched it the first time in 94 is how i feel you know now and then going back i found um you know these um video stores like rental spots that no longer exist but they would have wrestling tapes and i would watch them all I'd be like mom i gotta get this i need to get this or you know, i would steal it like you know steal it but bring it back you know so i guess it's not really stealing but um yeah i was i was so obsessed with it that after watching that match and then the shenanigans at the end and then even undertaker being risen i was i was hooked you couldn't show me anything else and tell me that i actually had a job with nasa back when i graduated high school to do trajectory work uh because i graduated uh college with a math degree and easy money man i could have made easy money but i was like nah i don't want to do that i want to be a pro wrestler you'd look really silly sitting with a mask in a cubicle uh, i'm just i'm just right could you imagine no <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so how do you how do you hook up with your car Okay, so Chikara happened. Uh, all right, so actually, growing up after that middle school, right, we, we do, I find a couple guys, I start wrestling, actually like amateur wrestling, because I always thought like, oh, well, maybe that'll help me out. Um, and I had a lot of friends there that actually wanted to be pro wrestlers. But, you know, being 15, 14, you can't, can't train, really. But when we turned 16, um, we started doing backyard wrestling. Um, me and a couple guys actually who are on TV right now were in my backyard fed from New Jersey. And um, we did one show and this one show had no lie. I'm not going to lie to you. Probably had like 80 fans come like backyard. Yeah. We had a ring and everything. It was awesome. Production was on point. It's bigger uh, than some indie shows. Yeah. Oh, some, right. It was crazy. We had rats. <laughs> so it was, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but we had rats oh, yeah. in the backyard. Hey, I don't care, man. It's going to be in my book. So, um, Tommy Cairo from ECW came yeah. to our show. He lived pretty close by and um, he looks at the roster and he's like, Hey man, like this was after the show. He's like, you know, out of the 30 people who were on the show, which I can't believe 30 people were on the show is like six of y'all should go to the ECW arena in Philadelphia and train. There's some schools out there. So we're like, all right, cool. Now at this point, I had no idea about indie wrestling. It was either WWE or WF ECW. Um, uh was it wcw or i just say mexico and japan like in no sure. real companies i'll just say those right yep so we go there and there's a show called uh czw's best of the best 
Now, if we would have showed up, if I would have showed up at any other CZW event, right, and like saw a tournament of death or something like that, I'd probably been turned off on the idea of like, oh, this is wrestling. Like, this isn't wrestling. But going to the best of the best show, I literally saw the best of the best indie wrestlers. And one dude uh, literally caught my eye. I was like, whoa, this guy, his music, the way he looked, the way he wrestled, um, his entrance. I was like, that's a that's a, a superstar. And it was Claudio Castagnoli. And um, after the show, um, Quack, piece of shit, uh, Chris Hero and Claudio all sat us down and was like, hey, here's the deal. You know, we train this, this, and this day. This is how much. You know, if you're interested, let us know. And um, three of us showed up, but only two of us, me and uh, another guy, was able to actually, like, pay. Because I ended up taking my refund check from college and just paying my my tuition, basically. Yeah. And um, that was basically it, man. We showed up day one. They knew that we were backyard wrestlers. Chris Hero tried to, like heckle us like make us do things that he thought that we weren't going to be able to do and we did it like killed it out of the park and that's when they were like you know what you're going to come to the beginners and the advanced class so we were double dipping and they they never did that so me and Ophidian, eventually amasis um you know we all started doing that i debuted six months after that lot on my first um you know i my first show for them but i was already wrestling for some other people that knew right you know, who booked me because I was in the backyard or booked me because I showed up to open ring and I could actually work, you know, but at the end of the day, that's how I hooked up with Chikara. And honestly, if it wasn't for Claudio, I probably wouldn't have gone. Not only that, I do remember that after the first two weeks, Chikara and CZW split, they were actually together. So I didn't really have a say or even knew that they split. You know, I saw some of my friends go over there and then some stayed and I was confused. I didn't even know I had a choice, but I think I made the right choice for me. Ultimately, um, I think it helped me out in my career in the long run because I was able to go to Mexico and Japan and all that because of the Lucha Libre that, you know, they brought over from from those places. Was the idea to always wear a mask like from day one? No, idea? not my not my idea. Like I said, okay. I didn't know what your car was. I knew yeah. they promoted Lucha Libre. I didn't know that you had to wear a mask when well, you don't, right? But what happened was after the second or third practice, might even been the first one, Claudio and Hero, like I said, were like trying to push us to see if we really wanted to do this or you know, challenge us. And they wanted us to do like springboards and stuff. Well, they didn't realize in the backyard we had a ring. So we we basically taught ourselves everything. Right. And there was one time I went to go springboard. It fell out of the ring. But I landed on my feet like a cat. And Claudio was like, oh, he's like a cat. Ha, ha, ha. And Claudio has these really bad, good dad jokes. But yes. that's what he knows for. So he, met, he made that joke. And then later on, uh, before I debuted for King of True, it was in 07, um, he gave me the mask. It's like, you know, you're going to be a cat, you know, because of your ability and this and that. And I was like, all right, cool. No problem. And it stuck with me. I've done other characters since then, but this is, you know, the moneymaker right now. <laughs> so, so what's the heat with quack? The true heat with quack is I think there's a couple of things. One. Um, and it's not only with quack, but it's a lot of people. I'm a man. Talk to me like a man. Absolutely. Don't treat me like I'm a kid uh don't don't talk to me like i'm a kid you know as a trainer your job is to take my money to teach me how 
to safely give and do wrestling moves and put a match together. Other than that, I'm not going to feed into the bullshit cult of like, you need to be here, you need to do this and that and all this other BS. And I saw his true colors when I actually got hurt at the um, the last show of 2007, ECW Arena in November, or yeah, November 27th. And um, I, I honestly felt when I came to, because I could knock myself out, that he didn't have my best interests in mind. And he tried to offer to sell my mask as a way to pay toward my tuition rather than ask me if I was okay. That was the first incident. Then the second incident happened in 2009, uh, going into 2010, I think, where I just had a, a baby, uh, my first kid ever. And, um, you know, there was a lot of things going on. I moved to Florida. I was going to Japan for another company. Like, again, I wasn't buying into the bullshit cult of what Chikara was in back in the day. And I told him, I said, hey, look, dude, I'm flying myself in. I'm not really getting paid a lot, like, because I get it. I'm, a, I'm one of your guys. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I need help or I'm only going to do like the bigger shows. And motherfucker was like, well, if you're not going to make this show, don't worry about coming to King of Trios that year. I said, OK, no problem. So I said, no problem. I said, I, I totally get that. And then he basically was like, good luck making money. So, oh, OK, motherfucker, I got you. So. Wow. When I got to WWE, I'll just say it straight up. My first check was for about uh, $8,900 and I sent it to him. I said, good luck making money. Good luck making this much money ever, motherfucker. Like I made this in one month or one week doing nothing. I showed up. I didn't do nothing. I literally did nothing and it showed up. And, um, you know, he didn't say anything, of course. Like he he faved me and stuff like that, even though I sent them emails like to try to talk to him like a man because I grew up too. You know, I wanted sure. to move past and everything, but I just felt like he wasn't. So to the point where he got offered a coaching job at WWE and I told WWE and I told, uh, you know, the people in charge, I said, listen, this guy and me have like, we need words. Uh, I need to have a conversation with him if we're going to be in the same building, because I, it's either I'm going to slap him or we're going to have a conversation and it's going to be over with. So finally, you know, he, he agreed to the conversation, but the day that the conversation was going to happen, he canceled. And long story short, WWE kind of gave him the kibosh and told him never to come back. So for me, that was kind of like, you know what? That's what you get. Suck my dick. I don't care. Piece I mean, that's shit. kind of the tell, though, at that point, right? If he's not yeah. willing to have that conversation, that tells you what kind of a person they are. In the way that we're talking, I would talk to Vince. So sure. I'm like, if I can have that conversation with that kind of person, I should have be able to have a conversation with any man, any woman. And like, we should be able to talk but you're showing me that you're not able to talk. Why am I going to give you my, my energy, my time? And, um, yeah, I'm glad his ass got canceled. I tell him every time I'm in Philadelphia, if any ducks want it, I'm here. I'm fucking ready to, you know, quack you up. Like whatever y'all, y'all want, I'm here. And that's the other thing. A lot of people, I might have a Napoleon complex. I'm not like very tall, but I'm not short either. I just like, you know, you know, we we're in the world of giants. So, right. uh, I have a Napoleon complex and I don't really care, you know, who you are or, how much money you got or if you could legit what my I, we're gonna have a conversation one way or another like you owe it to me you owe it to yourself and let's just move on man like but yeah no i think that, that there's a big difference though i mean i don't think you need to have a a napoleon complex or need to like n nothing needs to ever result in violence unless violence is needed to be the result uh yeah. i i firmly believe that every single type of conflict can be resolved as long as people have conversations about that and are willing to have open 
dialogue conversations about it like adults like men and, and that's like what women that's, too, that's right? it i just wanted to have a conversation like men not teacher yeah. and student like men right. and let's get it over with because at the end of the day if we are still not able to resolve it at least we know that we can be civil and get through get through things you know mm -hmm. but i thought and not only with him but a lot of people that they're not able to have that conversation and it just make reminds me like if you're not able to have that conversation so then maybe maybe this hand will give you that conversation you know i don't want to be like i said earlier i don't want problems right. i don't mind them but i don't want them either yeah because you know as well as i do anytime you have problems now you have to spend the rest of your time also you know looking over well, your not me somebody Him, you know his ass, dude. but yeah. you know what you, you know what i'm saying like and that's just not it's not a fun fucking life to live yeah and nobody wants to do that right so i'm i'm trying this year to forgive yeah and let go is that just that's the, is that the resolution that that's one of my resolutions and it and is it's coming into fruition like really trying to find who i am but be a better person for me and my children and to let go of a lot of things because i do not that i have a lot of beef with people but the fact that i were not able to have conversations and closure and stuff right. leaves things open so yeah there's always going to be some animosity toward you know two parties that don't have uh, a conflict resolve you know but sometimes so. sometimes sometimes at your own demise sometimes your beefs have taken to the public airwaves so to speak right yeah. like i'm we're let's you know the the izzy situation for example mm -hmm. right and that turned into where you guys were finally face to face with izzy and uh, or with her dad at least right from what yep. i understand yep all and, of them yeah and the conversation was had yes so yeah so what happened was i knew okay so uh, we had arguments or whatever and i told yeah. them straight up i said you know it's easy to say stuff like that over text and and keyboard say it to my face right i just want i want you to have that same energy and say it to my face and that literally was the day after i just got re I, I got my release and i was in like almost like a kill mode because i had a jujitsu contest and i was already like you know what there's a dude in there that beat me on my first tournament ever. I'm going to get my revenge back. And then I got this guy who's heckling me. Like, I'm going to take my frustration out on the mat. But I couldn't let go of him for some reason. That's why t this year I'm going to, right? But I just invited him. I said, come talk. Come come to the event. I'm, I'll pay for everything. You literally have to just show up, have a conversation with me. Well, we never did. And, he, and then WrestleMania the following year came, and I knew we were going to be in the same building. So he knew that and I, and everybody knew that. And so when I walked past this table coming in, I made sure I was late. I wanted to be late because I wanted him to set up and, you know, get a spot and everything. And I wanted to come in and not make a scene, but be like, Hey man, we need words. He's like, yeah, you're right. We do need words. All right, cool. C come, come over. We we're going to have to talk. So I, I go to my table and it's like the middle of the day, like obviously still fans and stuff around. I said, listen, man, I'm working right now, but you can come here at 801 when we're done here and we're going to sit right there in front of everybody. Like, so that way you don't think anything like that. I'm going to do something, but we are going to have some conversations. Like we're going to have some words and you're going to sit there and take it. And I'm going to sit there and take it, but we're going to listen to each other and, and see what happens because my intention was to get it over with. And then go on to like a Ziggy Dice or like some really ridiculous show and do a match with him and make money. Like that sure. was my idea, right? Okay. Like everybody sees the drama and then be right. like, oh, Lindsay versus this guy's that, like this person's that. Like, of course I want to see that shit. Like Lindsay's yeah. gonna beat the shit out of him. Right. But when we started talking, 
I think when we started talking, I think he forgot that he was in the wrestling world, like not his world, my world. And uh, I had made the comment uh, to him. I said, after he was talking a little bit, he, I kind of got the Charlie Brown, like, wah, 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 wah. I was like, oh, you're talking nonsense, dude. So that's when I cut him off. I said, listen, I, I'm not going to shake your hand. I don't respect you, but this is over with. If my name ever comes out of your mouth again, we're going to have a problem. I'm going to smack it out of your mouth. And instead of him saying like, you know what? I owned it. My bad. Like, sure. you're right. He said, you too. So I said, oh, me too. So I stood up and I said his name again. I said, now show show your daughter that you're going to be a man and do what you said that you're going to do. Because I just said your name and I want you to, I want you, I want you to back it up right now. I said, if you're going to be able to, if you want to be like tough right now, I'm going to let you be tough. I want to see how tough you can get. And then that's when he like started walking away and all this other stuff. And really that's about it. Um, there's some other stuff that was said, but it's not really that important. Sure. But at the end of the day, he showed and his family showed what kind of, you know, their true colors, who they are. And I told him he doesn't know what I look like, but I know where he's, where he hangs out and stuff like that. So like you said earlier, for somebody to like live like this, walking around, like it's, it's a pretty shitty situation, but at the end of the day, you got to own it, man. Right. You own your actions. Every action has a, a consequence and a repercussion. And I agree. 100% agree. And I, that's, I, I mean, I try to, we all, you know, try to live our lives by that little bit of knowledge. Let that come forward before you yeah. dictate your next movement. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, uh, just a quick little recap. Uh, Izzy uh, was a, the Bailey super fan, mm -hmm. right? Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this yep. stuff. The Bailey super fan who at, I think it was 12 years old, if I'm not mistaken, 12 or 13, like, that, like super 13. So way too young, yeah. way too young inside of the ring and took a move, took a choke, a choke slam, slam. Yeah. a choke slam of all things. Now, granted I've done it. I'm six foot four. It's a great move for tall guys or whatever. And there have been times side story. I'll tell you about in a second. Um, there have been times where you use that appropriately and you can put somebody down soft, but that's never the intention. And a 12 year old, girl no less who weighs all of 65 70 Something. pounds yeah you know you're basically picking up a bag of oranges and slamming it down onto the ground onto somebody who is their body is not able to take those kind of moves no. period yeah right so you decided that the the parent needs to be accountable for allowing this to happen to their children yeah, right? a thousand percent. Because I always said I, I was never upset about the wrestlers because I right. get our world and how right. we make our money, right? Mm -hmm. It's who we allow in the ring is that's where we need to like yeah make the boundary. And her parents allowed her at such a young age, instill in development, take this move and damage herself, you know. Yeah. You don't wanna be bumping like even in Mexico, man, those those kids that are 13 they get in the ring they do everything they don't bump no you know no, so they roll to for have a reason. these now people, you know they roll for a reason because that ring those fucking rings in mexico don't move either, brother, brother they do not move at all arena right? mexico has the the stiffest ring i've ever been in in my <laughs> life but my body's so used to it because i i can bump and 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 you know i've taken those years but she's not gonna last long Right. her body will not her body will start to break down on her you know before everything but the the again i think for me i just i wanted to move forward and i always believe that karma is 
a bitch, you know, mm -hmm. because now that I'm back into the like WWE realm of like helping and consulting for them, you you got to go through me now to get to, you know, and if I if we already have some beef, what makes you think that I'm going to allow your daughter to pursue her dream if you're going to be, you know what I'm saying? Because then that means I have to bring you around all these other people and you're already toxic. So no, you and your daughter aren't going to be welcome there. And I hope, you know, they realize that and start to get their shit together soon because I already, I could already tell like bad reputation is the, the career killer. You know, you're going to, you don't want to have that at such an early age. And, and it, it, it's a shame that it is what it is. You know, it's not my I, life anymore. I don't really care, but yeah. you know, Cause, cause I've, I'm guilty of this myself. I'm, I've had this happen before where, and I'm a firm believer. I've always been a firm believer for the longest time that the business needs to regulate itself, mm -hmm. right? The, it needs to conduct itself accordingly because we don't have that. We never had that outside, you know what I mean? Yeah. Influence the, the ability to do it. So it's up to us to do so, but I'm guilty of this myself where there's been instances and I want to get your take on this. Do you feel like at some point, maybe you looking back on it, it's just a case of, were you white knighting somebody or were you protecting the business? Like, I was, you know what I mean? I was protecting the business. My, right. my, 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 my goal is to always give back and leave it better than when I got it. Right. And to protect the business. So what I was doing was not necessarily protecting her by saying, Leo, you shouldn't take it, but allow protecting the business from allowing people like her parents to come in and do what they want to do for their uh, own motives, rather than the motives of making wrestling better for themselves. Because I think that's what it, a lot of people are doing now. And it's not a bad thing, but like, we can't be selfish because I'm not going to lie. I feel like this generation, after this generation, wrestling may be obscure because there's nobody unique, nobody original, nobody willing to police uh you know uh the the locker rooms or the 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 shows and anybody who says they're a wrestler there's no credentials like you don't it doesn't even matter anymore who you've been trained by is as long as you say that you're a wrestler people are getting on shows and you know doing what they want to do and i think personally it's up to some of the vets and some of the people to yeah like you said police it and make it harder for people to come in and stuff because it is too easy for people to get in wrestling now even when i started I, if it wasn't for tommy cairo i wouldn't have known about indie wrestling you know there's no inner there was no real internet or anything around but now it's like oh i want to be a wrestler let me look up what schools are around me okay cool uh, 1200 bucks for uh, to train with a guy who's never done anything cool i'll do that and then you find out all this stuff so it's i i try to find those hidden gems and then be like, Hey man, let me give you some tools that I didn't have to get you there faster. But I also try to police and make sure, you know, pieces of shits aren't there. Is it thankless? What's that? Is it thankless? What do you mean? Like the, the policing part, is it a thankless job? Like, do you, you know what I mean? Or, or is it like, do you have your peers are like, Hey man, thanks for, you know, thanks for doing I, that for it, us. Or is it, or is it more the, the, more of the time it's like uh, i wouldn't have said anything you know what i mean like is it a i think job? it's uh, the people who say like oh i don't even want to say nothing they're not they don't have that like a gusto to interact with people they don't want right. to have that that uh perhaps negative interaction i don't it, want that 
I, you it know, I don't care a, about things. I don't it care takes about a certain person. It takes a certain person to be able to have a face to face when there's possible conflict involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? A thousand. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for things. I'm not looking for like, Hey, this is what I did with, you know, charity. I'm not looking for any of that because at the end of the day, I know what my reputation is. I know the people who are actually important to me, what they think about me. And that's all that really matters. Like you think I'm going to care about randos and, and peers that I'll, I'll never see. Like, you know, as long as the people that I know value me, higher ups or my kids or, or my, my friends, that's all that I care about. I don't really, again, I have to make it so that way it's easy for me to walk around in the locker room and my peers to walk around in the locker room. And I, I, maybe I owe it to, to wrestling. If that's the one way to, for me to contribute, to make it better. I don't mind that dude. Like I said, and I keep saying it, like, I don't want problems. I really don't. If you ask anybody, I'm like, I'm really goofy. I love having fun. I love laughing, but I'm also the one like, Oh, what? He, he stepped on your bag. All right, let's go make sure he don't step on your bag. Or, you know, cause somebody has to do it. You know, somebody has to stand up for your people. And I, I wish I had somebody to do that for me, but I also now am that person to do it for me, my kids, my friends, you know, anybody. And I, I, it's because I'm not scared to have a combo. I would, right. I would rather have a combo with my mouth with them in my hands. But I, again, I don't mind if I got to grab somebody and, and do something, I will. But I mean, uh, let's face it. That all comes from, that all comes from an upbringing. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. It's nothing more. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not growing up and going to like, you know, Beverly Hills high school and worrying about shit like that. Like you're, you're growing up because it was needed and you need to, you need to harden yourself. And sometimes some people, you see people around you that can't have that conversation. So you decide to have that for them. Yeah. That's simple manhood. Pe people it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's manhood. It's all, it's adulthood because it's yeah. a lot of females can't, a lot of males can't have a conversation and it's like, Hey man, we're all adults. Well, let's all, I would literally start every conversation at WWE and it doesn't matter who it was like, first of all, I would always apologize for how I speak guys. I'm sorry. You know, if I curse or something, but this is how I am. I'm not going to like, you know, submit to you guys because of who you are, but we're all adults. So let's talk like adults. And then I would start talking and it that's gotten me so far you know in wwe multiple times when i've had to had conversations or i've had an issue or my group had an issue and i and i had to be the one to speak because one i'm very confident in speaking uh you know for myself and others and i'm you know i'm not a the answer is always no unless you ask you know right. and and i'm not saying that i don't like no as an answer but maybe maybe the answer isn't no you know, only right. one way to ask or one way to find out is to ask and talk, you know. Did it ever come back to bite you in the ass in WWE? Because I know that, like, there was, okay, so I wanted to, because the reason I ask you about this is. What, talking to... or my my mentality toward people? <laughs> uh, the mentality towards people. Yes, that, that yeah. bit me in the ass, but it also, hindsight, made me a way better person. Okay, what happened? Yeah. Okay, so what happened was 205 came around and without like going into like mega details, but I'll say uh, the logist. When 205 came around, again, I always felt that I was different than all the other luchadors and, and no offense to them, but being able to speak English and do all the styles, not just lucha libre, I thought made me, you know, very unique and special. So I would be one of those guys who would be proactive and like pitch ideas like, hey, this, this idea, this, this, this. And a couple other guys too, like TJP and, and some other friends. Um, and I would always get the uh, nod like, oh yeah, this is a good idea, but then given to somebody else. 
I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm flattered that my ideas were being used by some for somebody else, but it was also pissing me off that one, I wasn't getting used. Two, I was doing the job of somebody else, you know, writing for them because they weren't creative enough to come up with these basic ideas that, you know, I did. And now they're taking credit and giving it to this person and that person. So finally, one day I gave an idea and then um, he got a lot of respect for me or he, 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 I gave him a lot of respect for him because he said, Hey man, this is a good idea, but for somebody else. And I was like, all right. But for some reason, dude, that like festered in my head for a long time. I was like, like, no, thank you. No payback or nothing. No, no. Like, Hey, let's put them on the show or something. So one day, uh, just grab the writer. Say, yo, pick a, pick a spot, pick a spot. I don't care where you pick. And like, cause at that point I had this like flash moment. Like I didn't never wanted to be WWE champion. I didn't really care. I just wanted to say that I was in WWE and I was a WWE superstar, which nobody could take that away from me. So at that moment I was like, you know what? This is how I'm going to go out legend style. I'm going to knock this motherfucker out. And, um, Cedric, uh, Triple H, a couple other people grabbed me and was like, oh, you can't do that, man. And sent me home basically for, oh shit, man, five months. Like, it was a long time, but I was getting paid. So it's, I was getting paid. I was bettering my body. I changed my mindset. So when I came back, I was like, you know, shredded and built and ended up getting put on TV. I ended up having a conversation with that same writer um, and apologizing like, Hey man, sorry. I just needed to grow up. And um, you know, I, I, we had a conversation. We were able to have a conversation. I told him why I was upset and he agreed. And ever since then, that's when I learned the word compromise. You know, I would get something and I'd be like, I don't like this. And he's like, Oh, well, that's what they want. I was like, is there any compromising? And as soon as you said that to anybody, I felt like, okay, they either have to compromise or you're, they're going to be seen as like, basically a POS because they're not willing to compromise. And ever since I did that, that word man has so like installed in my head of compromise. And when I don't agree with somebody, um, I take a second, I breathe, I actually take the situation for what it is. And if it's something we could compromise, let's talk and compromise. So that way, you know, we understand, I don't ever want to have this like, oh, well, I guess we can't do nothing kind of thing. Like, that's how that's how children handle stuff. We're men, we're grown-ups. Compromise. Let's compromise. So I wanted to ask He would have got it that. though, man. He would have got it. <laughs> he would have got it. You dreamt about it, you visualized it. I saw it, it in slow it. motion what I was player. doing. Some, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some I Sherlock saw it in slow Holmes motion. <laughs> was, it was it would have been bad, but I'm glad it never got to that point, dude. <laughs> Talk to me about the dynamic. Uh, when you're in WWE, when you're doing, you're doing arena shows like the 205 arena shows, right? In front of that kind of a crowd and that dynamic. And then you're getting also at the same time, boom, you got to go do NXT shows, which I mean, I love NXT. Listen, Hornet is my boy. He is my day one. You know what I mean? Like literally I was his first trainer. Nice. Uh, you know, so like, and I, and I understand this with NXT, but that's got a way more of a, I'm going to throw it out there an indie feel to it. Like yeah. what was the dynamic like when that happened? Cause I know that, I know that not necessarily you guys had to do like the PC classes or anything at first, but that changed. Tell me about that. 
Okay, so like the actual shows and matches were pretty easy because if you came from the indies, you got to experience all the different types of audience and stuff like that. So it was easy to 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 um, you know adjust. But in the beginning, where one we didn't really have a set schedule. We didn't know that if we were NXT, we didn't know if we were main roster. WWE didn't even know what we were. You know, um, so for we were there at nxt maybe for 14 days total training and maybe shows you know before stephanie goes on the podium and says hey cruiserweights are coming to raw and literally nobody knew so we all texting each other like yo did you hear that is it true we're going to raw this and that and then the next week memphis tennessee we're in raw and it was i think i think that was a special group because i think you could have put those guys any any variation any combination in any arena and they would still have killed it they still would have put their heart out left it all in the ring and entertained you because the 205 style is the best blend of indie and wwe like it was the only time that you got to see that that's that's the only reason why there's only been one cruiserweight classic and multiple right. may youngs because there's nobody else in the world that can do what we did without repu- replicating it you know we don't need carbon copies when we have the original copies still going out there and going hard you know every day so um you know after after the 14 days of nxt and we were still doing nxt even though we were on raw we only had a day off maybe a couple hours off before you know going back to a live event for NXT. And then, for example, here, here, this would be my schedule. Sure. It would be like fly out Sunday, go to Raw, wake up Monday, do everything, right? Raw, train, whatever. Then it'd be Tuesday, they would tape SmackDown and 205. So you would drive four or five hours to the next town after Raw, then do the same thing Tuesday, fly home Wednesday, go to the PC, uh, you know, for training or whatever uh thursday same thing sometimes it'd be like bs yoga and then friday saturday you got coconut shows and then do the same thing again sunday so really we only were home sunday but we were flying and then home wednesday but we were flying and still doing classes so it got to the point where like we like we said wwe didn't know who we were if we were nxt or whatnot but we all went into the office and was like hey man like what are we are we nxt are we this or that because our schedules are crazy you know some of us had families and everything so that's when they were like just you're just doing smackdown and raw and it was like cool boom and then that was it so again i think the indie guys didn't have a problem adjusting um to the schedule they actually liked the grind i think the true guys on the indies who are like the top guys are the hustlers so they didn't mind the hustle and the grind but when you have children it does make it a little bit harder you know you do want to be home and you know enjoy it right yeah that's that's got to be the toughest part is everybody that i talk to that has i don't have kids i just was, i chose not to. i've got six you know what i mean <laughs> bro twins you, three boys three girls man fucking nick cannon or something over I'm here puerto rican man i've got kids <laughs> Got kids, man. Did you ever did you ever work in Puerto Rico? Yeah, I did a couple shows in Puerto Rico. I'm actually gonna be returning back this year. Who for, um, for, for Victor? No, I, I was I was trying to do for Cologne for WWC. Um, but they have a stranglehold on the island when it comes to pro wrestling. Now it's a little bit easier because he's getting a little older and you know the the powers have shifted. So there's a lot more wrestling out there. But 
if I'm going to go out there, I just want to go out there for the best. You know, I don't want to do, I, I don't mind doing the smaller ones because, you know, those are more intimate. But if I'm going to go out there for, you know, the first time since WWE, I want it to be WWC. Yeah. Yeah. No, that dude, that makes sense. Now, I do want to ask you very quickly about your, your biggest troll job to date uh, at the end of last year. You know, rumors were were abounding that 2024 was going to be the year that Lince Dorado decided he wasn't going to wrestle in a mask anymore. I was about to say, who was I trolling last year? I don't remember. <laughs> you trolled everybody because yeah. it's clearly after New Year's and you're sitting here in a mask still. What if I told you uh -huh. last year I wrestled without the mask under a different name about 30 times? Really? What would you say? Um, I I would tend to believe it because it's the world of professional wrestling. And I mean, if you can make that kind of bank. And here's the thing. You've done a very good job of not having photos and not having any kind of recognition out there without the mask. Yeah. Right? So is, I've, I've always had this manifestation dream that i will wrestle one day without the mask on my terms whether i lose it to somebody that i really want to lose it to or i do the story that i've always had in my head that i would really love to do but without having a home like a, a wrestling home it's kind of hard to do that and just do it but i did start planting some seeds last year um you know some promoters that i, I used to work for that i asked them i said hey I want you to book me as a green guy. I want you to book me as a, you know, don't advertise that I'm former WWE wrestler. Don't advertise that I'm Lindsay. I just want you to book me as this character. I want to be the most vet rookie out there, basically. And um, yeah, about 30 times I wrestled without the mask last year. And I'm, I'm just getting ready for both par parallel universes to like intercept for it to explode and for people to be like, oh my God. And I got that idea because there was one time I wrestled on main event for WWE. And this is a show that they taped before. And afterwards, I was like, you know what? I just want to go out in the crowd, in the audience, in the arena. And I just want to just feel the energy. So I went out there with no mask, my regular clothes, and nobody knew who I was. Nobody, not say that they care, but like, they didn't, they didn't know, you know? Did you have to, and I was you have like, to wrestle with a rash guard? Huh? Did you have to wear a rash guard when you wrestled without your mask? Because I mean, did nobody clue in with your tattoos? Uh, if I tell you that, then you're going to start looking for like random pieces. I'm like, not a fucking journalist. But I, will I don't say, give a shit. <laughs> I will say, I will say it, you couldn't tell that it was me. I, okay. I completely different moveset. Um, you know, facials are completely different. Um, outfits, obviously completely different. Um, but it, eventually this year is going to culminate to a, Bruce Wayne meets Batman in real life moment. And it's going to just maybe reignite who I am or what I want to do, or it'd be, you know, just something else that I wanted to do in pro wrestling as all these ideas that I have um, for this particular person or this particular character. Another chapter for the book, right? Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about that. It's all about quickly. the book guys. Let's talk Buy about it. that real quickly because you do uh, last, you've been speaking about this for a while. Yep. You've got some books on the go, a couple yep. of kids' books, an autobiography, something else as well. Yep. How's that all going? It's going good. Uh, here's the thing with that. I'm I'm doing everything myself because I don't trust a lot of people. So it, it is taking a little bit longer. Um, I'm starting to expand my circle of people helping me out with stuff. So it is getting a little bit faster. But every time I 
think like, okay, this chapter's done. I'm like, oh no, I want to add this or, oh, I want to do that too. So then it's like, man, is this book ever going to be done? Or should I just put out a part one and then like a whatever? It's it's a, a lot of things for for me to like take in consideration. But at the end of the day, it's all things I want to do, you know, and it's for me. It's not, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for, you know, the accolation. I'm, I'm literally just doing it one because one, I think some of my literature will help others, whether it's wrestling or children or whatever, or, uh, you know, just, just to get it out, my story, you know, for me, I want to show that I, I can write a book. I want to show that I can do this. I want to show me that I can do this. And then everybody else kind of follows through. So um between i stay busy dude i do everything in wrestling i'm the cactus jack of all trades in wrestling i'm a gear maker wrestler trainer uh video editor everything that you can do in wrestling i do i wanted to make sure that i was able to do what got you into was it was it the cost effectiveness that got you into making your own gear oh yeah dude i was i was 17 when somebody tried to off uh make a set of gear for me uh and they charged me like it's like 800 bucks and like this was like 2006 2007 and i was like hey 800 bucks i'm 17 dude like i just paid all this money to train and you want me i said for 500 bucks i could buy a sewing machine and two things of fabric and and figure it out and i did i ended up making a pair of black uh tights with um gold knee pad covers like lucha style and gold trunks and i wrestled chris hero in connecticut um and a banger of a match wearing them and at that time everybody's like wow these are great gear you know this is can't believe you made it like you know i made it yesterday and i look back at it i'm like oh wow, it's trash man like you still you see my it? stuff now it's like amazing yeah i still have it I, you still, I still have it, have it. In, a, in a tub somewhere yeah it's in my garage <laughs> i know exactly where it's at and yeah it's it, i like looking at it because it, it reminds me of where i started yeah. Uh, but then I'm like, oof, man, yikes outside of, outside of yourself, outside of yourself, who's your favorite mask maker? Ooh, favorite mask maker. I would say, uh, there's Busio. He's the original Ray Mysterio mask maker in Mexico. Um, uh, Ray's guy. Um, I can't even say his name, but yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, he, I talk to him a lot. We, we share ideas and stuff like that um i i like me personally and this is why i think i'm I'm unique here in the states mexico is known for making the best looking mass right colorful and all this japan is known for making the best mass production like quality me i put both of them together here in the states and i take that same approach when it comes to like my gear my mask my boots my kick pads i want to make sure that one these are going to last you for a long time and two you only come back to me because there ain't nobody else that's going to make stuff for, you know, for you like me. Like I'm making this one right now. I had this idea yesterday. I'm playing Fortnite. And I was like, oh man, I, I feel like my nose needs to come down just a little bit, like just a random thought. So I changed my pattern and I wasn't going to do anything. I was with it. I was just like, let me change it. And later on, maybe figure it out. But I couldn't sleep. I had a, an idea and I was like, I got to finish it. So I ended up making, and I'm still doing it, a half Lindsay, half Ray Mass. And I'm going to finish it today. And like, this took me, I mean, an hour and a half, two hours after like starting and stuff like that. And it's because I practice so much. Like, you know, I literally making gear or something for my kids or somebody every day. And I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. It's therapeutic, you know, it keeps me out of trouble. And I'm an artist at heart and a mathematician. 
and this is what I see in both of that. I see art and math, you know, sure. in it. So I'm I'm very fortunate that I, I'm doing what I love to do. That's amazing, dude. I mean, it, it's it's so good to see so like good people doing good things, and it's even better to see committed people stick to their stick to their guns. Yeah. I think that's what exactly what you've done. I mean, through this conversation, we've learned that from where you've come from to, you know, what got you to where you are now. So my next question is, before we get out of here is no rush, man, no rush, please. I don't <laughs> want you to rush. We oh, no. I owe you some time because I showed up late. Listen, brother, we, uh, we will do more of these in the future. Gotcha. Uh, you know what I mean? I, we try to keep these down to about, to about an hour or so, right. When we're talking and stuff and, and, I feel like there's always conversations to be had. And that seems to be what this was all about. This was this was a conversation about how important conversations are. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. What is what is your hope that um your legacy dictates after Lince Dorado is no longer Lince Dorado? I and this might be like, I don't know what the word is, but this might be blowing smoke up my own ass. I kind of see myself as like the Dean Malenko and Jushin Thunderliger of my generation where maybe I was underappreciated, but damn, I was fucking good. And like, you know, and people always said like, man, that guy entertained me. He was a great wrestler, you know, great trainer, great friend, you know, somebody I totally forgot about it until he posted about it. Um, you know, there was a time where there was a wrestler who I've never met in my life, but I could tell he was upset and like he wanted to talk to me. And at the end, I gave him a hug, man. I was like, dude, you look like you just need a hug, man. Come here. And I could have just blew him off. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I would always want that to be me. Me personally, this character of Lindsay is the father figure I never had okay. when it comes to like children or wrestlers in the back. Like, you know, my, I think that's my legacy. Like, that dude cared about wrestling and that dude was really good and underrated and again to me as long as i'm doing right by me and my children that's all that really matters but if my peers and everybody else want to you know praise me then thank you you know um it will motivate me more and fuel me to be and do better and more better things but it's not what i'm looking for you know i'm looking for you know being the best me for everybody that is there for me you you talk about coaching and i've done some of this myself um what's because i know what my answer is and 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 other coaches that i've talked to about this what's the biggest hurdle especially nowadays because you know as well as i do the business is different it's yeah. different today than it was and human beings are different today than what they were when you broke in and which is different than when even i broke in i'm older than fucking dirt bro yeah. so like you know what i mean what's what's the biggest hurdle you think with coaching nowadays i think is building confidence you know um the ability to and this comes from teaching because i used to be a math teacher i could look at somebody and be like you need to be taught this way and you need to be taught that way so everybody's taught different right but they're all getting taught the same things but we weren't in school you you know what oh I mean? yeah no in school you, yeah you're just thrown thrown into a class with everybody and you know this listen i'm a big proponent i've said this before and anybody can guess i think that the 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 regular schooling system and like high schools and stuff like that are are, are pointless oh I, 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 brother you tell you're telling you're preaching to me because i literally left 
the school district because I was not as inspired or feeling inspired that I was when I was younger. Like even my children, I, I teach more of my children in five minutes at home after they get home from school, like uh, more than they learn from, you know, their, their teachers and um, really considering, you know, um, homeschooling them. But yeah, I think building the confidence in order to do certain things in the ring, because I, I especially now we're getting athletes, we're getting people who aren't really passionate about it. You have to, you know, build that passion and you have to build that confidence but yeah it's the confidence and passion i think that's the biggest hurdle like i don't want to teach somebody who doesn't have the passion for it you know and i don't mind teaching somebody who doesn't have the confidence because i could teach you how to be confident in yourself by motivating you and saying certain things but at the end of the day you got to put in the work you know i have a i have, I have something that i tell my students two things um one i said if you're a hundred percent committed it's not enough you got to be a thousand percent committed. You have to be willing to sacrifice time from your family, make them second, sometimes even third in order to make your dream a, a success. And then that's when you can actually start, you know, being a father and this and that. I, I learned that the hard way, man. But honestly, it, it, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here, you know, because then I would At be a father. Point. At some point, at some point, you got to have some kind of regret about sometimes though, right? I, I don't think regret is the word. I think it was more as, because I don't regret how I handled it. I think again, seeing the bigger picture and being a realistic, like, you know, real with myself, I saw that this was what I needed to do to get my kids in a house that I didn't have, you know, to get my kids a car and a room, not to share a room with like three dudes or three brothers. I wanted to do that, but I know what I needed to do. I needed to make them second, third, fourth, fifth, sometimes last in order to get there. And now that I'm there, it's a lot easier. Now I'm, now I tell myself, like, I work from home. I make gear. I work from when they leave till four o'clock. As soon as four o'clock comes, don't call me. Don't text me. I even told you, I said, Hey man, yeah, I'm only true. available at four o'clock, dude. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's not because I'm trying to be rude. It's, my time is dedicated to my family now schedule and it has to be because you have so many fucking things on the go scheduling has to be a priority you yeah. know what i mean because if you don't it's like it's like it's like meal prep for your life it you is. know what I, mean? I, have a, I have a printout of my weekly today's schedule for the See, week that's like, some that's some old school teacher shit right there yeah I, that's that, me that, man right now i <laughs> i like the i got technology and stuff but just having something on paper like solidified and print out now you got to do it kind of thing so I have, I have a, I have a notebook of stuff. Like I write it all down. I'm still old school. I don't even type stuff out. I'm like, I print off. Stuff when you make, well when you make cards for shows, do you write them down on paper or do you type them out? Uh, dude, I use a pencil. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I use a pencil and I write it out. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing wrong you with never that. Know. You never know. You're going to have stuff on there that you never even get to, you know? Yeah. A thousand percent. And that gives us the ability to be able to come back another time and do it. Hopefully, you know, you had a good time. Absolutely. dude. I, this was, and like I said, I felt so bad when my alarm went off at 1230 and I was like, I don't understand what, what is going on? Why is this? And then it hit me as I read my message on DM. I was, I got it. Are you still there? Please tell me you're still there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all good, brother. And I know that you've got some, you've got some dates coming up. Tell everybody where they can get a hold of you, where they can see you, what, uh, what's going on with you. For sure. I mean, I'm everywhere. I'm a little bit everywhere. I'll be going back to Mexico pretty soon, hopefully Japan this year. Uh, but if you're interested, you could come and check me out. Instagram, Luchador LD. 
Um, you can find me on Twitter, Lindsay underscore Dorado. Might get that flipped. But if anything, just go to luchalit.com and everything's on there. Merch, dates, um, inquiries, all that other jazz. You can find me on there. That's like a one-stop shop. Um, I do stream on Twitch and Twitter. Sometimes I make gear. Sometimes I play games. Um, do Q and A's, you know, anything for especially young wrestlers. If you guys need anything, hit me up. I know you are going to be in Toronto, Ontario, Canada coming up. Uh, Destiny, believe, yep, February. Yeah, for Destiny up in, in, in February. Um, probably see you there. We'll I hope so, chance. man. We'll get a chance to meet face to face. Maybe get a picture. And, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I'll bring and, you a uh, gift. So let me know if you definitely are coming. I'll bring you a uh, gift. Uh, awesome. I appreciate that, brother. No problem. Lindsay Dorado. All the best to you in the future. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Law Live Audio Wrestling. Uh, stick around. We're going to close this whole thing up. We'll be right back after this. Are you a member of the BC Bud Tender community? Tetherbuds is bringing their unique experience to the West Coast for the first ever event in Vancouver, BC. January 24, 2024, Tether's Vancouver event will be the ultimate Bud Tender experience, featuring industry-leading brands, gift bags, and great vibes. Plus, complimentary food, refreshments, and music. Media, influencers, and other industry professionals are encouraged to join the fun. January 24, 2024 at Beaumont Studios. Get your tickets today at fanatickets.com. TotalSportCards.com Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com TotalSportCards.com Proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. And we are back here on The Law, live audio wrestling. And Chris, what a heck of an interview you just pulled off there. I have to there say. There you go. I have to say. I have to say. Uh, it's not me. Uh, it's the people and their willingness to actually... Uh, engage and have those conversations and not be afraid of those conversations. So thank you so much to Lince Dorado uh, for joining us this week. I mean, listen, you never know. You never know how the conversations are going to go sometimes. And uh, that much like all of this, we never know how all of this is going to go, but I think we've done a pretty good job, Brady. I think we did pretty good so far on this first one to be recorded for the video purposes as well. Wow. Well, on, brother, here's here's the deal, brother. I I uh, definitely think there's a lot of things to take out of that interview. Um, Lindsay seems to be a very confident young man, and uh, I wish him all the best going forward. It seems like he's got some pretty crazy plans for 2024. Yeah, I mean, listen, 2024 is going to be a crazy year for everybody. Uh, I hope that everything works out well for him. Uh, it's always it's always a struggle, you know. Um, but he sounds like he's got a He's got a plan. He's got an idea. It's something that he's not unfamiliar with. So we all just keep rolling on and rolling on, don't we, Brady? We do, my friend. And before we roll this ride out for the yes. week, do you have anything you want to plug before we go? Well, you know, as always, you can follow us uh, right here at The Law Wrestling on uh, X. You can follow Brady 
uh, at Brady W on all of his. Follow myself at Notorious TID on all of those. You can send us emails if you'd like. Uh, if you want to, you know, I don't know. If you want to get into the uh, tipping and donating part, there it is there as well. Good times. We'll put you it all back me. into this production, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You can follow me uh, over on my TikTok channel. That's at T-I-D-T-A-L-K where, you know, we just, we talk some stuff. We do some things. We have some fun. Uh, other than that, no. I mean, thank you very much to all of our sponsors. Thank you very much to the fine folks over at SNME Radio. And most importantly, Brady, thank you very much to you. Well, one of the things that I've learned here from doing this this experience uh, video is that I need to hit a tanning bed. I was up north way too long. You can almost see through me. I'm the same colors as the wall behind me. So let me get into the tanning bed and because uh, I can see the red light blinking. I'm going to get into the tanning bed this week, and hopefully I come back next week with a little bit more color like my Las Vegas friend here. Um, but, yeah, that's it for me. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into the Law Live Audio Wrestling yet again. See you next week. Tuck your chin. I fought the law, the law